Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It is Monday. I am Chris Graham, and this is Street Knowledge. And uh, we are going to talk today. We're going to talk a lot of stuff. Uh, sports around Virginia, college sports, NIL. We've got Scott German with us here on the uh, the Zoom for our audio purposes. Scott, hope things are going well. It is, Chris, here at Witness Protection Land. Everything's going great. <laughs> We've all been uh, kind of laid low since uh, basketball season ended and, and uh, you know, now trying to get back into the swing of things here. And before we go to the college stuff, Scott uh, has a fun uh, assignment tomorrow night. We're recording this on Monday, so Tuesday night. Steven Strasburg, the elusive one who hasn't pitched in a game in a while, over a year, I think it is, uh, will be making a rehab start in Fredericksburg with the Fredericksburg Nats, low A team in the, the Washington Nationals organization. And Scott's going to be there on hand to take it all in. And, um, you know, this, you know, Scott, you and I usually talk UVA sports. This does have a UVA sports tie. It, it certainly does. Steven Strasburg's uh, last career decision in college was a big L that UVA hung on him uh, on his home field, probably, right? Uh, way back in the, uh, what, what year was that, Chris? About two, 2008, maybe, something like that? 2009, I think, because it was, I think it was Virginia's first appearance in the, eventually was going to be Virginia's first appearance in the College World Series. And, um, yeah, so so it's hard to think that there, there was a first, but it was 2009. Yeah, the region of death, as I'll recall it. Um, uh, he, the, Virginia won the ACC tournament that year, beat Florida State, I believe it was, in the final that year. And we're all thinking, oh, man, we're going to be hosting a regional here in Charlottesville and got sent out west and had to face Strasburg in the first first game of the, of the, of the whole thing. Uh, a guy who had not uh, – I'm still trying to look up his college stats to be to to verify. Yeah, his first year was his first year was in a, a, a minor league baseball. He pitched in the Arizona Fall League in 2009. Of course, he was number one draft pick of the Nationals in that that um, that year. And uh, but yeah, he was something like 13 and 0 uh, going in, in that year going into that game. <laughs> Had absurd stats. Uh, he gave up uh, a two run homer in the first inning to. Uh, Phil Gosselin, who ended up playing, got a couple cups of coffee in the big leagues and then struck out 15 and lost two to one. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard that he can, that, that Strasburg can, has a tendency to be uh, a little short at times with the media. So I don't, I don't think I want to mention that. Yeah. He, he is, uh, he, he is very careful with words is maybe a nice way to put it. Right. He, uh, he doesn't have a lot to say, um, but it's going to, I mean, it's a big event and that for, for the Nats at least. Um, and for probably baseball as a whole, he was the 2019 world series MVP really hasn't pitched much since that appearance, uh, you know, since that run. Um, he's one of the highest paid pitchers in baseball. And of course he is still Steven Strasburg, the guy with that reputation. Tony Kornhauser calls him the orchid though, because unfortunately, um, from a from a Nats fan perspective, and that's me. Um, he, he's uh, he's not been very durable. Yeah, thirteen and one that year. The one we, we we all know where the one came from. UVA is the one that put the one in thirteen and one. I'm kind of quoting Paul Heyman, the uh, the wrestling manager there. He was thirteen and one that year with a one three two ERA, a zero point seven seven WHIP, uh, sixteen strikeouts per nine innings. He actually sixteen point one strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah, he, he kind of looked the same way against Virginia. His team just only scored the one run. 
Yeah, those kind of stats, that's that's what lands you as the uh, number one pick in the draft. <laughs> and uh, that place is going to be tomorrow night, uh, was the Virginia Credit Union Bank Stadium. Still relatively new venue. Uh, the, the, the Fred Nats um, – opened that up during the pandemic. So it's, it's not been uh, put to full use quite yet. I guess it is getting to be that case now. Uh, but uh, a, a great venue, the Nats, uh, the Washington Nationals have, have sort of made this, you know, their, their base of operations from a minor league standpoint, even though it's their low A team because it's so close to, to DC. And um, boy, yeah, that place is going to be crawling with people wanting to see Steven Strasburg in Fredericksburg. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough assignment. You know, you just, but sometimes you just got to suck it up, take one for the team, right? Strasburg has pitched in seven. He's he started seven games uh, since the World Series of 2019 uh, with a 1-3 record in just 26 and two-thirds innings. He actually had one rehab start in 2021 uh, in AAA with Rochester as well. So, yeah, this is uh, – I mean, for Nats fans, uh, there's certainly a hope that – uh, j- just the fact he's out there throwing a lot of hitters in a game situation, even though it's low aid tomorrow night, uh, will be will be something to, to build on there. And Scott gets to be there, so we'll look forward yes. to Scott's report. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll, we'll do a, we'll do a recap on it. Certainly, it'll show up in the free press on on Wednesday. Yep, yeah, looking forward to that too. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Scott, we we were we've been talking a lot, just you and I chatting back and forth, either on the phone or by text. Um, about the development since the end of basketball season and really not with basketball or football or anything specific in terms of the sports and rosters and things like that, as much as trying to still make sense of NIL um, and the changing landscape of college sports in that respect. And a lot has happened, I guess, in the last couple of months, a lot late last week in terms of the war of words between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Boy, I saw that. Former Florida coach Steve Spurrier got involved with some comments, and boy, it just a, a night of a firestorm. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we've 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 had a lot of transfer portal activity. We've had a lot of uh, you know, boy Isaiah Wong and my at Miami saying if Miami doesn't give him more money, he's not going to come back after their Elite Eight run. Where do we even want to start with this, Scott? There's so much to unwrap here. Uh, you know, Chris, for, for both of us, we followed college sports for so long. And this is so, I, I don't, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me, what do you think about this? And, and, you know, I really don't know what to think about it because it's all so new and I don't like it, but I'm trying to embrace it because I don't see it going away. Um, and unfortunately, the governing body of the, of the of, of college sports, the NCAA, doesn't appear to really want to legislate it. So I, I don't know where, where this is going to end up. I, I really do believe in the longer run, um, the transfer portal is going to be more of, of, of a problem than the NIL because I believe the, the, the economics of the NIL will once again, will eventually sort itself out. We've talked about that. Uh, Sooner or later, the sponsors are going to realize paying X, paying a certain individual to promote a product or to just there, there's not going to be any residuals back. So that could just to supply just the economics of that could take care of that. But the transfer portal is is what I'm more concerned with right now is just having a total just turning it's turning college sports into a just a 
the wild wild west yeah, I'm in the same boat with you on that, Scott. Uh, the the NIL one is not going anywhere. Two, I'm 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 in favor and have long been in favor of student athletes being able to to make money while they're in school. Um, you know, I wish that actually there there'd be more of the pot from uh, for them from uh, what revenues they gener- actually generate for their for their schools. You know, the the, the TV rights, uh, the ticket sales, everything else um you, you know should should generate money that that goes into their pockets to some degree too coaches make a lot of money and the players the student athletes don't make anything from that pot those pots of money which is what pays pro athletes pro athletes make their money for when they play for their teams from from tv rights and from ticket sales um but this does open up a, a third avenue nil does uh in terms of endorsements and that's you know pro athletes certainly make a lot of money there some some make more from from endorsements and they do from their contracts with their teams. That's for the very few at the top, but uh, for, for, for college athletes, that's the one of the three pots that they can make money from. Um, that's not going anywhere. It shouldn't go anywhere. Um, you know, we can regulate how it's, how it's used uh, in the NCAA. I believe it was two weeks ago now, cause we're, we're into the May 23rd week um, uh, put down some rules and we'll see how they're enforced that, <laughs> that, uh, limit the use of that money to induce a student athlete, either a high school recruit or a college transfer, a potential college transfer from going to a school because of offer of money. Basically, um, money can't be offered in terms of NIL, you know, for endorsement purposes or anything else until after a kid has already committed. Now the policing of that will be interesting and that that's, that's definitely the case, but the transfer portal is the bigger issue and it's not even the portal itself. Kids should be able to transfer just like college students can transfer the the, the the hard part to this from a fan standpoint, from a roster standpoint for coaches and, and that kind of thing is, is, is the immediate eligibility. Um, effectively, what we've got is, is free, a free agency system where you're a, you can be a free agent any year. And, and that's not even seen in pro sports and pro sports. Scott, you and I talk about baseball a lot. You're under team control for six years in, in pro football. Rookies, when they sign a contract, typically, unless they're undrafted free agents, sign a five-year rookie contract. Uh, NBA contracts for rookies, unless, again, they're undrafted free agents, are five-year deals. And so the guys that you're really paying attention to are under team control for five or six years in the major sports. And college sports right now, it's year to year, and they can go somewhere next year. And then what that does then is open up the possibility that NIL money can be misused to induce kids to want to transfer away the Isaiah Wong's, for example. So, um, yeah, that's the part I'm also uncomfortable with that part too, uh, Scott. Yeah. And Chris, I, I'm not sure why the NCAA felt compelled to, to remove that, that condition that you can transfer, but you have to sit out because to me, even if I, I know the NIL was something that was taken all the way to the Supreme court, right. Yes. And got, it was a nine to nothing unanimous voting on that. So uh, ruling. you can't get those people to agree on what time of day it is. So exactly. nine nothing is significant there. Yeah, nine to nothing is a pretty significant. But but the the NCAA to me, I don't I, I don't I'm still trying to figure out what the purpose of eliminating the one year set out uh, rule because if that were to be taken to a court. To me, the colleges could still win that because they're not they're not taking away a scholarship. They're not taking away. They're still giving the player a year of of 
of academic eligibility. It's not like they're saying, well, you're going to have to pay for that last year yourself. So I'm not sure what taking that year away did, except, you know, except it synthesized that the, the players, oh, I didn't get enough playing time. I'm leaving. I mean, to me, it's just you're not doing – you're not really serving uh, the youth, 18-, 19-year-olds who will jump at the shiniest thing they see. You're not really doing them any favors by this. And you're not even – it's not even the guys uh, are, who are – who quote-unquote aren't getting enough playing time. Jordan Addison made the news the past couple of weeks. The pit receiver, first-team All-American, um, decides to leave for USC. Just because, hey, I can go. I, you know, if I want to, I can go and play next year at USC. Um, right. And, um, you know, it's an it's an issue. For, so Pitt is not your typical school to lose a big name guy like a first team All American wide receiver. It's really a big issue. I mean, I you know I cover VMI sports too, and so for for teams at that level, programs at that level, the Southern Conference level, other mid majors or small conferences. Um, you know, they often lose guys that sort of diamonds in the rough in recruiting get overlooked for various reasons. Maybe they were injured in high school. Maybe they played at a small school or lower level in their state. Um, and then when they get to college, they do well. And then all of a sudden, hey, you know, this kid wasn't even given one star out of high school, but we would rate him a four star now. And, you know, you you, you lose those kids. VMI lost um, uh uh, Bubba Parham, uh, their, their star point guard from a couple of years ago, went to Georgia Tech. He's still at Georgia Tech playing. He's, he's been starting for two years there, started on ACC Tournament Champions of 2021. Uh, you know, uh, their football quarterback, Reese Udinsky, transferred to Maryland this past year. Um, I think that it's, it's really a development issue for, for the mid-majors and small conference programs um, and now when it, when it hits the power fives, but the power fives who aren't the Clemson's and Oklahoma's of the world, they lose players to those type schools. That's an issue. You know, I, I think Scott, I mean, I think back to some, some UVA recent um, examples of, of transfers and you think of, okay, so Sam Hauser transferred into UVA from Michigan state had to sit out a year, mm-hmm. but the year before, um, Braxton Key transferred from Alabama and didn't have to sit out a year. Maybe the, the the rule change was to address, you know, you had so many players applying for quote unquote hardship uh, waivers. Um, uh, Trey Murphy's another one came from Rice, played right away. Um, he only played one year at Virginia because he went from being a, a nine points a game scorer at Rice to being a first round NBA draft pick after one year at Virginia. Uh, but um, uh, you know, maybe that was the case, but. You know, you could just say no hardships if you transfer after you you, you transfer, you, you sit out a year. And, you know, uh, um, um, Debo Swinney has thrown this idea out, Scott. And you and I have talked about this, I think, just, you know, personally chatting on the phone or, or, or by text or both. He threw the idea out a few months ago. Why don't we just give, you know, have that sit out year. And then if the kid progresses towards graduation they get it back at the end so if you transfer as a sophomore you sit out the year but what we've done before is we've only allowed the, the, the college athlete to play three years instead of four right get that fourth year back let them play or play a fifth year um and um and, and then then you're not p- punishing the kid in any way you're not punishing the athlete for transferring and in fact hey they get worked towards a co- probably a graduate degree uh in year five win-win for everybody right yeah yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, and you know, I was talking to our to our colleague Jerry Ratcliffe about this, and to, you know, to 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 adults, older adults, 
uh, like ourselves, uh, a year isn't a year isn't that that significant. But to an eighteen or nineteen year old, you tell them, "Oh, you can't play, you can't compete, or, or at least you can't do it in front of fans. You can't be on the roster for a year." That's an eternity to them, and that's I think that's why this this there's so much jumping around because there's no penalty, there's no there's no, there's nothing, they're not losing anything, but you put that back into effect and you're going to, I think you're going to immediately see a significant reduction in transfers and you're, you're not hurting the player. If you, even if you um, use the, 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 the idea that Dabo had, you're, you're certainly not hurting the player in that respect. You may be helping him because you're giving him a year back on the, on the other end of his career. You know, another idea that comes to mind, Scott, is to sort of use the example. Now, this would require, I don't know that what this would require in terms of remuneration when I talk about, you know, money that might have to be paid. But um, another idea might be to kind of borrow from professional sports contracts. Now, this is, again, where, I, I, you know, I, I'd have to, we'd have to figure out how this would go. Right now, college scholarships, what we call grants, I guess they're called grants and aid, um, are only one year renewable. And, and that is something that has always tilted among the many things that have tilted the, the, the balance of power to coaches. Um, hey, your scholarship's only for one year. You don't, you don't meet expectations. Um, I don't have to give it to you next year. Um, perhaps something could be built into the, the sort of a new way of doing those grants and aid and, and call them four-year four year grants and aid. You're, you're, you're guaranteed four years. Right. Um, and the only way then that you could be let out could be by mutual agreement, um, mutual agreement between the, the school and the student athlete. Um, you know, I sound like I'm advocating for something draconian there, but it would be something it, it would be very akin to what you see at, at the next level in terms of, and actually it would be something, it could be very good for the kid too. Hey, you can't just cut me because I'm not, you know, I'm not playing on the court. I mean, right. at the least you get your scholarship, you get your four-year education at the very least, you know, the last guy on the end of the bench is guaranteed that he's going to be able to go to UVA for four years or whatever school for four years. Um, there's no, there's nothing there um, that, that goes against you. Um, and, and maybe that could be held then too against the Maybe that would make recruiting more, uh, you know, more of a, a science because, uh, you know, you can't just waste a scholarship on a kid um, that, that may not pan out. You do that. You're stuck with that kid for four years, unless, you know, mutual agreement, you, you let them out. So there's something I think that feels like that could be worked out there too. Yeah. I, and, you know, it, it may take some of the games, some of the coaches in the games, the Tony Bennett's, the Nick Saban's, the, the Dabo's, when he's, maybe they need to get together and figure this out um, as to what, what, you know, what is the best way to approach this? Um, I don't like the NIL, to be honest, but it's not going anywhere. Uh, I like the, and I think we bet if we're going to continue to follow college sports, we better embrace it. I like what uh, I heard Dion uh, Sanders said the other day. Um, he said, when you start playing, uh, playing, athletes like they're professionals you get athletes acting like they're professionals and i think that's what we're going to start seeing in college i don't think the innocence in, in college sports is going to be there anymore i mean um you know it's but it's not going anywhere 
I don't want it to go anywhere. I'll say this too, Scott. You're getting ready to go to a minor league baseball game tomorrow night, and, and you go to minor league games a lot uh, in, in the spring and summer because you live close to Fredericksburg. You live close to Richmond. You know, you're, you're, you're in the middle of a lot of good, good minor league baseball in, in Virginia. You're very fortunate in that respect. Um, minor league players don't get paid a lot of money. They get paid. They're professional players. They don't get paid a lot of money. College athletes are basically, I mean, from, from the, they're not minor league players. They're, you know, they're college athletes, but they're at that same level. I mean, the guys you're going to be watching, except for Steven Strasburg tomorrow night, you're watching low A baseball. You're going to be seeing a lot of guys who are 18, 19, 20 years old. If you see any 21 year olds, they're close to being cut from, you know, cause that, they're, they're, all, they're no longer prospects. They're no longer prospects. They're pretty close to getting cut. So they're the kids that uh, as Cal Ripken said, well, you got to have a lot of players because you need, you need, you need guys to play catch with. Yeah. And, and Strasburg need, need got tomorrow, tomorrow night needs nine or 12 guys, depending on how many innings he pitches to, to, to give him basically live batting practice, live, you know, he's throwing live batting practice in a game situation. Um, but uh, so, we're not talking about with with college athletics the need to have the student athletes paid at a very high level. I mean, last year there was such a stir over Bryce Young. At that point, Bryce Young was not even had even had even played in a game in Alabama yet, and and Nick Saban, who's now crying foul over NIL, um, made the point at SEC media days. Hey, my quarterback's about to make seven figures next year. Well, then this past week. Uh, Saban, when he was crying foul over NIL, uh, mentioned that uh, 25 players on his team had NIL deals last year. 25 out of, I mean, 85 scholarship players, a few walk-ons. We're probably talking 95 guys on his team. So 25 of them had NIL deals. And they they, they earned a total of $3 million from those NIL deals. Now, Bryce Young, I've seen reports, he, he apparently topped out at around $800,000. The other 24 guys split $2.2 million. Um, that's not even a hundred thousand a piece. That's pretty much, that's close to what, uh, NBA G league guys make. I mean, they're, they're in the 75,000 range, uh, when they play exclusively in the G league. So, I mean, you know, when you start thinking of it that way, we're not talking about having to pay players a lot of money. Um, and, and, and to, to, to keep them, you know, as, you know the players in football and, and, and basketball, men's basketball, those are the sports that, of the bulk of the money is going to um, it, we're not talking about, you know, millions of dollars here and millions of dollars there. It's, it's not, it's, 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 it's not that I, I think when we put that in perspective, I mean, that's why NIL makes sense to me. Uh, pro you know, the pro baseball players are getting paid peanuts, but they're getting paid something. And uh, I think it's, it's, it should be similar uh, for the athletes who can earn the money uh, in the sports that make a lot of the money in, in college sports, which are football and men's basketball. Yeah, I, I I agree. With, you know, the 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 first the star quarterback is going to make more. He's going to have a higher, uh, certainly have more opportunity to make money than the backup long snapper. Yeah, if there is such a position, um, there probably is. Yeah, um, what happens if your long snapper gets concussion? Economics. That's just economics one hundred and one, right? Just like in that minor league game you're going to tomorrow night, uh, Brady House, first round draft pick. Uh, he's he's projected as a, a, a star for the Nationals three or four years down the road. He's a bonus baby. He I, I didn't I don't have his exact figure in front of me, but it'd be, it would surprise me. He was like the ninth or tenth pick in the draft. Probably signed a piece of paper for ten million dollars. The backup catcher for Fred the Fred Nats is is lucky to be making ten thousand dollars. Right, and and that's just economics. That's uh, economics, yeah. 
Uh, if the backup catcher, I hate to say it, I don't have a clue who he is. If he was better. He would be the backup catcher in low way. The backup catcher, and he would be making the same kind of money the number one, the, the bonus baby is making, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 that's the way it is across the board in any profession. The, the, the top uh, plastic surgeons in L.A. are making more than the plastic surgeons in Charlottesville. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it goes because they're they're getting the, the big bucks for the movie stars and things like that, and the plastic surgeons in Charlottesville are probably operating on people's noses. Yeah, but they don't like the way their nose is shaped or something. So, um, so that's that's probably what's going to happen in college. Uh, and I just hope that it doesn't create potential tension in the amongst it. I mean, you think that could be. Um, the star quarterback is driving a, um, you know, a, a brand new BMW, and the backup punter is riding the local transit bus. What do you think the situation is with the Fred Nats tomorrow night, Brady? It's Allen? the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. What do you think in the situation uh, on any NFL, NBA, or MLB team? There's guys making the minimum, and there's guys making. Mint. Um, you, you mentioned <laughs> the fact that I that I attend uh, some professional uh, in, uh, minor league games. I go to I go down to Richmond quite a, quite often. We have credentials, season credentials for the flying squirrels. I park in the players' lot, uh-huh. and I kid you not, I've parked beside brand new BMWs, uh-huh. and I've parked beside ten year old Hyundai's. Uh-huh. Now the Brand new BMWs are probably to the first and second round picks of the squirrels. Yes. The the 10-year-old Hyundai's are probably to the hanger owners that are just lucky to have a job and 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 are just doing everything they can to stay stay in a in in, in the professional ranks. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I start doing some math in my head, Scott, because the one other issue that you know we talk about, and, and you know, a lot of people, Scott, will express what you do. I don't like NIL. But I don't know that people make a big issue about what coaches make. And, and, and so I'll, I, when I did a mental exercise now, it's easier in basketball than it is in football. Football has 85 scholarship guys. Basketball has got thir- – men's basketball has got 13. But if you paid, let's just say, $50,000 to each of the 13 men's basketball players as, as a, as a quote-unquote salary, that'd be $650,000. So you're paying Tony Bennett – Virginia's paying Tony Bennett $4 million, $4.1 million, I think it is this year. If if Tony wasn't making four point one million, instead it was making three and a half million, and the players divided up the other six 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 uh, six hundred fifty thousand dollars, what what difference would that be? You're you're still putting out the same amount of money, um, and and the players are making some money there. Uh, if um, uh, now football again is harder, eighty five guys, uh, but you know I'm I use an example from the the other sports. Baseball, for example, only has I think it's eleven scholarships to give out for thirty players, so. No one can get a full scholarship in baseball, which is hard to think uh, when you think about the, the caliber of players that UVA recruits. Just as an example, Nate Savino, who is uh, I think he's just five and five this year, but he's projected to be a, a top, you know, maybe a first or, or, or early second round pick. He was also projected to be a first or second round pick coming out of high school. He would if, if he was a first round pick, he'd have, he would have already had five million dollars or more in the bank. He came to UVA and doesn't even get a full scholarship to play baseball uh, in the ACC and, and do so for a team that was in a college world series last year, but uh, they get percentages of, of money. So if you said for football, okay, here's your pool of money for football players. 
and you can give, uh, you know, the quarterback gets point one, you know, the, the backup snapper gets 0.02, whatever, do some percentage there and guys can make some money there too. Um, I, my problem with NIL isn't that there's NIL. My problem with NIL is that there's not the other two pots of money that I mentioned that you can make in pro sports. Uh, you know, there, there's money from TV. There's money from, from uh, ticket sales. Uh, college student athletes don't have access to that money. The only thing, only thing they can do is hope that a car dealership wants them to sponsor something or Ralph's, Ralph's tap house wants to sponsor Um you know, the local McDonald's maybe does something with them, whatever the case may be. That's their only hope. They only have that pot of money. They don't get the other pot of money, which pro athletes get access to. And I think that's something we've got to rectify as well. And that's the part of NIL I think will work itself out. Because car dealerships aren't printing presses, right? I mean, they, they have to be concerned with return on investment. So after a while, don't you think if a car, we're just using this as an example, a car dealership is paying Johnny Superstar $5,000 to come out on a Saturday yeah. and promote electric cars. Yeah. And after about four or five of these, the owner of the car dealership is looking at the books and, and says, we're, we aren't selling any more cars with Johnny Superstar being here. Yeah. We're just out $5,000 every time he comes. Um, don't you think that eventually that car dealership is going to say, you know what? Our return on investment here is really not what it's, what it's, um, what we thought it would be. And that's 20,000 bucks. We'll just, we're not going to stop. We're, we'll just give it back to university and take a tax to, and take the tax benefit, the tax write off for it. The tax write off. Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't, you can't do it money, the other way. Yeah. Sponsorship money to an athlete. So, is, so that part of it, I think will work itself out. Don't I, you? I think so too. And I, I've been saying this since the beginning, um, you know, even, even July of last year that don't get too caught up. I've, I've been, I've been trying to call people. Don't get too caught up in who's ahead in NIL, who's behind it in NIL because, Right now, the, the, the relatively few people who are flushing money into NIL at, at certain schools, Miami's been one, uh, certainly Texas A&M has been one, um, as, as a couple of examples. Maybe we throw Alabama, even, even though Nick Saban's trying to plead poverty with his team only getting $3 million from NIL last year. Um, what's, being, what's fueling this isn't people who are looking at the bottom line, like you talked about, Scott, because you and I have both worked in, in sales and marketing over, over, over the years. You a lot more experienced than me. But we, we know, have to be concerned with bottom line. Yeah, we got to get return on investment. So, you know, if your return on investment is simply, hey, I hope the uh, old state you or tech you or whoever, you know, whatever school I'm sponsoring uh, is better as a result of, of me writing huge checks to this, you know, to these athletes to come to come. Um, then great. But if, if you're also hoping, you know, your car dealership gets extra business or your solar energy business gets extra business or whatever the case may be, you're probably not going to see that return on investment. You're probably not. And yeah, yeah, so a year, a year or two into it, you may be saying, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm a big player. I'm writing checks and I'm, I'm on my bankroll or Kihei Clark and Brennan Armstrong and et cetera, et cetera. And in a couple of years from now, you say, huh, you know, <laughs> what am I getting for this? Um, it's great to be the big man on campus, the big man at the tailgate. But, you know, at some point you got to get, you know, you got to make your money back. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think that will play itself out. And um, 
you know, the other yeah. side of it, Chris, is, is the, the Nick Saban jump, uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher thing that should have that WWE missed a great opportunity to have that as a pay per view um, event. Yeah. <laughs> um, Get so, Dana White so, on the phone. <laughs> right, so say so so Coach Saban basically proclaims Texas A and M just bought their whole recruiting class. Right. Yeah. I mean that's the the, the nuts and bolts of it. Okay, but we've uh, and I, I say we. I think it's more you. Only one team will win a championship. Yeah. Right. So, so this, if it's one person, if it's a you know, Texan A&M, it could be one, one oral baron that, that, that did this whole thing. But, but if it's a group of people that are buying recruiting classes, how long are they going to buy recruiting classes? If Texas A&M finishes seven and five, a few years. Even if they go twelve and one, but you know, play but don't win a championship. But you don't want a championship. It's Only- going to eventually again the same economics is going to apply to that. That applies to the star quarterback coming down to the car dealership yeah. and, and 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 signing autographs and not selling a darn more one more car than they normally would on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I think that the whole thing is going to sort itself out. It well, might take five years. And football, especially now, basketball is can be a little "quote unquote" easier to manipulate because, you know, I was listening to a podcast uh, with from the um, uh, writer Malcolm Gladwell. I love his his behavioral economics books are so are, are so good. And he does a podcast and uh, that have similar topics. And he was talking about the difference between soccer and basketball. And and I'll throw soccer is is a lot like football and baseball as well as a sport in basketball. If you've got Luka Doncic right now, the, he, he's the only player worth anything on the Dallas Mavericks. He's got the Mavericks in the Western conference finals. One player, one, one player can, can, can lead you in basketball pretty far. Now he's not going to lead them past the golden state warriors, but he got them to the conference finals. One player in basketball can do that. Right. One player in soccer can't do that. One player in football can't do that. One player in baseball can't do that because of the nature of those sports. You know, in basketball, there's only five guys on the on the floor for one team. There's only one basketball, and the, and the player, one player can shoot it as many times as he wants to. If you've got Michael Jordan, you've got a great chance to win. If you've got LeBron James, great chance to win. But if you've got the similar player in soccer, if you've got Lionel Messi in soccer, you've got 10 other guys on the field, and it's a huge field. And if, if you've got one guy that can't play defense, the other team's going to find that one guy, score the one goal of the game that wins it one nothing, or maybe 2-1, to one, whatever. In baseball, you can only hit once every nine t- turns a- through the lineup. Your starting pitcher pitches once every five or six days. Uh, in football, if you have a great quarterback, but you have a porous offensive line, which hopefully we don't find out this fall could be an issue for Virginia, but if you've got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and they can't block for – the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback's not going to do anything for you. You need a team to play, and you, you need your defense. You need your special teams. So you can't – it's hard to buy great football teams. And even this great recruiting class, Texas A&M's boosters may have bought, which, you know, I'm not going to subscribe to that narrative, but let's just go for it for a second. If they bought this great recruiting class, Scott, you and I know this as well as anybody. A great recruit – those kids are 17 years old. Most of them are not going to play next year. Most of them aren't going to play a lot as sophomores. By the time they're juniors, they will be ready to take over. You, so you're, to, back to your point, 
you're investing money as, as boosters of Texas A&M. If you're investing this money, hoping to win next year, the recruiting class that you may have bought this year isn't going to win you games next year. It may not win you games in 2023. They may not win you games until 2024. They, they may have pulled their money out before they win the first game with this recruiting class. Yeah, it's, so this this perfect segue into that recruiting class you bought, and, you, and we both agree those freshmen – aren't going to play, right? Yeah. And they may not play much as sophomores. Uh, that, rec- that that freshman that you bought, according to Nick Saban, what's going to stop him from taking his toys and going to play for Texas Tech? Yeah. And yeah. is he going to be able to take the money and just run? Yeah. If you've, you know if you've got play. a bunch of offensive linemen, for example, um, in, in, the, in the offensive line room, and you're one of those five-star offensive linemen, and you look around and say – man, I can fight for a job here and maybe play by my junior year, or maybe I'll go to Texas Tech or Baylor or somewhere else, and they're telling me I'll start next year. Right. And and if you're part of that class, let's just say you're part of that 25-man class that Nick Saban said that that Texas A&M bought this year, right? No, he he said he had 25 of his guys get paid in NIL. Right, but he he also basically said that the recruiting class that Texas A&M had were bought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're part of that class and and you go to football, you go to summer camp and you go to fall summer preseason and you look around and you know you're getting redshirted, and then what about those players that see another 25 come in the following year that are being bought? Yeah. And yeah. you look around and say, oh, my gosh, I may never get to play here. Well, I'll just leave and go to Texas. Do you have to give that money back? Well, of course not. It's 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 payment. Yeah. No, again, so there there is the 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 disincentive. return on investment. Yeah. Pretty soon, I don't care how much money you have, how many oil wells you own, you're going to say to yourself, "This ain't panning out like we thought." Yeah. No matter what percentage of your money it is, it's a percentage of your money. Whatever wealth you've got, you want to get something for it. And in 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 you know the psychic value. I, I had a professor constitutional law professor at UVA who talked about psychic income. You know, there's, there's the physical, in, you know, the money income we can spend on things in psychic income, the satisfaction of, of something, you know, something intellectual or something that makes you happy, whatever else. And so, yeah, you know, giving money to the, to the, your alma mater, to your favorite team, whatever the case may be to help them win games. But if you're giving them money and they're not winning games, if you're giving them money and the players are transferring, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, and that's been an issue, honestly, Scott, uh, and for our listeners out there, that's been an issue. I mean, donors have always been, you know, donors make up the bulk of what college athletics makes from from anything anyway. TV, TV second and ticket sales are third. But but donors are always, you know, number one in terms of, you know, the annual revenues for any college athletics program. And so these guys have always been given lots of money for reasons. But as you pointed out, they were tax write-offs. They were for, for whatever reason, tax write-offs, they probably shouldn't be tax write-offs. I think the IRS honestly needs to look at that. And I'm not popular in sports writing circles for mentioning that because, you know, if, if all of a sudden the money that um, people give to Virginia Athletics isn't tax write-offable, um, there's a lot less You're money. You're not winning any friends in the VAF office right now. But it shouldn't be because it's th- – th- right. It, it, shouldn't it, be, it shouldn't uh, be because it's going to athletics. It's not going to Dirk Castor this year. It's what it's going to well, we're going to buy Crystal's going to buy season tickets, and so they can you know probably okay. give money to get better ones. But um, 
But the money, the the money should. I mean, you know that that money. Uh, yeah, I know what the argument would be. We're giving that as uh, athletics. We're giving that as grants and aid to student athletes. Yeah. Um, and how much are you giving to Tony Bennett and to Tony Elliott and to Brian O'Connor and to Coach Mox? I mean, you know that's that's not for student athletics. That's and and they're getting paid far more than their professors are getting paid. Um, some of that money should be taxable, if not all of it. But anyway, um, that's that's the value you get right now. If you if you give money to the school, to the athletics foundation, whatever the case may be, it's it, you can write it off on your taxes. You hire a kid to endorse your car dealership. You you don't get to do that. That's that's uh, that's a separate pot of money. So, Chris, you know, I'm famous for, you know, looking up and seeing an acorn fall out of a tree and think that the world's ending. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. You're pretty good. at that. Yeah. Yeah. You could disagree with that a little. Oh something. no, no, no! I emphatically agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I find I find it I find it kind of amusing that I'm talking to some of my friends, relatives, and I'm talking them off a cliff, like, "Oh, college sports, college basketball, college football, it's ruined, it's ruined. I'll never go to another game. I'll never do." And I think back and I say, "Did, did you? You? I believe you said the same thing about when they drew the stupid arc, and we're going to award a player another point." for shooting, for shooting, for making a basket, you know, a little further back than what they've been making baskets for a hundred years. So you're going to give them another point. And, and you also were going to leave the sport. You weren't going to follow anymore when they imposed the penalty if a team didn't take a shot. How dare them? So it, we survived those things. And I think we'll probably, you know, a lot of tweaks along the way. And I think what's going to happen is – NIL, transfer portal, um, calmer heads will prevail and we'll, we'll, we'll tweak this to where it works, just yeah. like the three-point line and just like um, the shot clock. I think we're going to tweak it. It might take a couple of years. It may be the Wild Wild West for a while, but I believe in the end, economics will win out and, and just, just, you know, common sense. We'll figure out how to deal with these things. To paraphrase the the 1987 movie Wall Street, where the character that Michael Douglas uh, played famously said, "Greed is good." Um, I have always believed in greed. Um, in a sense, I'm not greedy, but uh, I believe that the people who make lots of money doing certain things will continue to figure out ways to continue making money doing those things. Um, the NCAA makes a lot of money. In fact, it makes. 98% of its money, if not 99% of its money from the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, there's no way that that money is going to go. Somebody's going to figure out a way to just kill the NCAA uh, and, and so, and not have a basketball tournament. We're not going to give away billions of dollars being made there. There's too much money invested. Think of the money that UVA has invested in the John Paul Jones arena, which is now what? 16 years old. Um, $190 million back in 2006. Um, and uh, getting ready to put what 150 million into a football operations center, you know, back in 2000, I think it was between 1998 and 2000, we put 100 million dollars in the Scott Stadium. Think about all those dollars being put in every major college in the country. I mean, all the Power Fives, and then even the JMUs of the world spending lots of money on their stadiums and moving into conferences. Um, there's way too much money to be lost for this to just blow away. Um, the people who make the money will figure out a way to divide it up better. Um, I have faith in their greed. 
Um, they're, they're not going to give this up. So yeah, um, it's not going to, yeah, there'll be tweaks. There'll be just like with everything. There'll be the necessary tweaks to keep the, the money train going. That's, that's what this is. It's a money train and the money train keeps rolling along. So to paraphrase, we're not going to kill the geese that laid the golden egg. No, no, there's, there's just, it's too much. And, and, and plus, Scott, there's still people like me and you. Now, we've been talking this entire podcast about the business of sports, but, you know, we're people who, you know, as you, I think you pointed out to me in a text last week, how pathetic your life is that you're up watching West Coast baseball games until one in the morning. We're people who watch the game. I don't know yeah. if I said pathetic. I said maybe sad. Sad or distorted reality or yeah, yeah. some some version of those. I, I could I could point it out. I got my but I've got a million texts from you, so I probably have to go back. It would right. take me ten minutes to go back to last Thursday. But yeah. we do. We spend our time watching these games, and lots of people do too. I mean, you, your lowest rated, you know, your lowest viewership games are still going to draw millions of people um, for the viewing pleasure, um, which means lots of money for the ads to be sold. You know, for the teams to make money selling ads. We we go as many times as we can to to Baltimore and DC to watch pro games. We go as many times as we can to UVA to watch games. We're going to travel down to. The, Charlotte for the ACC kickoff and go to Greensboro this year for the ACC tournament when it's finally coming back home to Greensboro. And um, since prevails, the yeah, common sense prevails. The allure of sports is there and it's not going to go anywhere. And college sports, I mean, pro sports obviously makes a, you know, a lot more money, but college sports, you know, the devotees like us, you know, what, what would we do with our lives if we didn't have college sports? So we're not going to let it go away. Um, and too many people make too much money to let go away. It's 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 always going to be here. Yeah, it, like I said, the same prince, the same thought process went through people's minds. I'm sure when NCAA basketball, the three point line, the shot clock. What else? What else innovations? That oh well, we didn't we? Okay, we we went to a college football playoff. A lot of people don't like the demise of the bowls for some reason. The bowls are stupid, but a lot of people don't like the demise of the bowls. Um, we got rid of. Uh, uh, tie games in college football. Right. Um, Here's another thing I, I will give you a, a spoiler alert for, for those that are too old school. Uh, for NCAA men's, uh, don't be surprised if the two 20-minute halves go away pretty soon. Oh, and, and they should. And I, I'd love to see the shot clock go from 30 to 24, mirror, mirror the NBA game. Yeah, look for the four, look for the four quarters to come into play. Very soon, and yeah, because women have been doing it for years, and it, yeah. it it's a different. It feels like a different game. It really does. Yeah. Um, go to a shorter shot clock. Um, you know, and and for UVA fans tuning in, obviously, most I'm sure a lot of our listeners, if not most, are UVA fans. A shorter shot clock just means five or six less seconds for the opposing team to get a shot off against the pack line. So that's going to be to our advantage. That's why I want the shorter shot clock. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, oh, another one, Scott, that uh, could have upturned uh, the the world the DH being in the national league full-time now. Well, my God, for 40 or for 50 years, almost uh, we, we fought it and, and it's here. And you know what, Scott, baseball is still going on just fine. <laughs> Chris, the DH is in the America is in the national league and batting averages are at an all time low. Well, that's a different that's a different factor. At least we don't have to watch pitchers hit, though. That's, we don't have to watch pitchers hit, but the, the fear that games are going to be 18 to 16 uh, are not materializing. Well, and I've got to say, I don't even mind. Um, I don't even mind. Uh, you know, I, I thought I would miss like the double switch and things like that because I've been a Nat, you're an O's fan. I've been a Nats fan. 
Um, you know, so you've been you're you're a longtime American League fan. I'm a longtime National League fan. I thought I would miss things like the double switch and things like that, but you know what? I'm I don't miss the double switch because I also don't miss starting pitchers having to go out an inning or two early because uh, you know their time in the order is coming up and they still have some pitches left in their arsenal, uh, maybe another inning or two left in, in their arm. And uh, but we got to pinch it because uh, you know they're second and third and one out and the nine spots up and we got to do something about that. I, I love I actually love the game now, uh, and I thought I would hate that. So don't miss it at all. Yeah, and so I mean, change is inevitable. Um, and if we lose fans, if they want to hop off the bus, the bus is going to stop, and a whole bunch of new people are going to hop on. Yeah, that's right. And and from the standpoint of those fans who are upset that college athletes are making money, coaches have been making money forever. So <laughs> I think that the 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 guys and gals too. Um, and I, I still I think this too. It's not the NIL is not we've been talking predominantly about for obvious reasons about football, men's basketball, but I think NIL's opportunities for, you know, if you've if you're a women's basketball team, if you're Connecticut or or South Carolina, if Virginia, if, if Coach Mox gets Virginia up into that realm at some point in the next 10 or 15 years. Um, and if your team is that good, um, I, the ladies should be making money too. Uh, if you've got a great women's lacrosse player, men's lacrosse player, the Virginia men's tennis team just won a national championship for the fifth time in program history. <laughs> That's number 31 in Virginia program history. Virginia's textile has zero. Um, that hasn't changed. It's not going to change. Uh, but if you've got great players at the, in the Olympic sports, they should make money too. And, and I think that this is something that could equalize that in, in addition. So, um, Chris, and, you know, um, one thing that the NCAA, you can almost say the NCAA just wasn't, they, if they'd gotten out in front of this, they may have prevented the, this initial chaos, yes. right? Yes. That, that we both agree is going to, it's going to work itself out. It might take two years, might take five, who knows, but in five years from now, it'll be worked out. But if the NCAA had gotten out in front of this, the archaic rules, that the NCAA has. Someone told me, well, how do you like, why do you still like college basketball? It's not college. It's, they're, they're professional athletes. No, they're not because they're not getting paid to play, right? They're not, the, the NIL has nothing to do with the college, with the University of Virginia paying, um, paying Kia Clark a salary to play basketball. It's just his ability to earn money. For years, uh, an NCAA athlete under scholarship was not permitted to even work. Right. Right. Uh, how, how dumb is that? That they, they were, okay, you can come to school. We'll give you an education. We'll give you meals while, you know, we'll, we'll pay your room and board. But if you want some spending money, you can't go work at Walmart. You can't go and wash cars uh, above, above board. You can do it, you know, at, you can do it if a car dealership wants to just hand you money. And, and then you're running a foul of the NCAA. And then you're running a foul. Yeah. So yeah. the, the archaic law bylaws of the NCAA has created this. Well, and, and I'll say two things. One, um, if I think, I think that uh, colleges should be required to pay these, to pay the players too, to pay the student athletes too. They're still college student athletes though. That the student part of student athlete means they're students. And that's, at least they are. Uh, at least they are in every sport except for Duke basketball. They're still students at the schools that they play for. Um, bigger number two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, that, that's the, that's a difference. And, and the, second, yeah, you, to your point about the NCAA, I mean the Ed O'Bannon case is which is what launched this, and that dates back to the mid two thousands decade. You know, the first decade of our two thousands. Um, 
he filed that suit on behalf and it was a class action suit eventually. Um, the NCAA, instead of using the 15 or so years that they had fighting that case to plan for um, post O'Bannon, we'll call it um, the post O'Bannon era, they fought it for 15 years. They, they, and, and they didn't. And so when they lost, they had no plans in place. And so, yeah, now, now the planning that should have been done 15 years ago is being done now and it's being expedited. Um, that's the mistake. Uh, and it's not, I mean, when we say the NCAA, all the NCAA is, is it's, it's some people hired by the colleges and universities and conferences. Right. So, you know, this is a collective mistake. This is a mistake of, of every college and university president. It's a mistake of every college and university athletics director. It's a mistake of every conference commissioner and the NCAA to not have the foresight to see that eventually this was not going to stand and that they needed to be prepared when it didn't. And now, you know, for the short short term and however long this short term is, a year or two or five years, we're feeling some some pain here and coaches are feeling some pain here. Um, and fan bases are feeling some pain, but, um, you know, yeah, the, the, that's where the, that's an example of the people who make the money, not being able to figure out that they want to continue making the money that these are stupid people in charge of money. Now we got to get the smart people back in charge and, uh, we, we're going to do so. And, uh, um, you know, it, there's a lot, to, there's still a lot to change, boy, you know, the, a lot of TV contracts for conferences are up, uh, for, especially in football, we're likely to see the power five break off and form their own. Uh, alliance um, that's going to have impact all the way down, you know, less games between power fives and certainly one double a teams, which one double a programs use to finance their budgets in a lot of cases, um, probably less interplay between power five and, and, and the group of five, as we call them, those conferences in, in, in FCS football, uh, but uh, yeah, FBS football, excuse me. Uh, but then, uh, you know, figuring out, um, uh, what happens with the basketball tournament, what happens with the NCAA, what happens with the Olympic sports. There's a lot to shake out because of what's happened in the last less than year. I mean, less than 12 months. Scott, you and I sat uh, with Carla Williams at the ACC kickoff last July, about two weeks after uh, the NIL ruling came down. And uh, we asked her a lot of questions. She didn't really know a lot. I bet if we sat down with her right now, she probably wouldn't know a lot more and not, and she's a sharp person. I, there's so much uncertain here that even the smart people are, are still trying to figure it all out. Yeah. That'll be uh, an interesting um, ACC kickoff football kickoff in July. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of questions that won't go answered. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and probably, I mean, we have to ask the questions, but uh, you know, if you don't, if we don't know the, if they don't know the answers, they probably shouldn't extrapolate on them. Um, as far as that goes. Yeah. A lot to, a lot to come up there. And that's still two months away. And I'm already looking, it's already on my calendar and I'm already looking forward to um, that and talking about that upcoming football season. I think it's going to be a, a nice year for Virginia under new coach, Tony Elliott with Brent Armstrong back. Um, you know, a lot to shake out. Uh, certainly a lot of questions will come up there about the, the pending plans to go from the divisional alignment. This may be the last year of the divisional alignment as the ACC transitions in the future. Um, and so, you know, we'll get a chance maybe to sit with Jim Phillips for a few minutes and talk about his plans to move the ACC to Charlotte, but also, Hey, the Greensboro, we, we talked briefly about it. ACC basketball tournament is back in Greensboro. It's back where it belongs. It's, it's long overdue. And it, and it, I think I texted you, it makes the whole basketball season look, you look forward to it because it's, 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 
AC, we all know the ACC tournament in Greensboro is where it belongs, but it's also much more affordable for the for the average fan to go to to Greensboro, even for media outlets to send to send folks. It's a lot less expensive to to get hotels in Greensboro than is New York City, and it's tra- and it's drivable by by a majority of schools in the conference. Um, exactly. It's not it's not at some outpost on the other on the either extreme north end of the league or the conference or the, or down in Miami. Um, so and one and one thing about Greensboro, unlike in New York, the ACC is the event. It is the thing that you're that you're there for. You're 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 not competing with the Big Ten tournament and any number of Broadway plays and, and you know everything else going on in New York City. In Greensboro, it is the marquee. When you step out of the arena at the Greensboro Coliseum and onto the street, um, the ACC tournament is all that 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 is going on. If you step out of a Barclays Center, I'm sure. Um, the most, the majority of people traveling up and down the sidewalks, up and down down the streets, could care less about what's going on inside that building. <laughs> yeah, I can I can attest. I was there twice. I didn't go this past year, but uh, in in 2017, 2018, including a 2018 season in which Virginia won the the tournament that year. Um, yeah, um, once you got, I mean, you weren't even across the street. There's a a, a, a Buffalo Wild Wings across the street. <laughs> Uh, Crystal and I went one night after the games were over to the B-dubs and <laughs> they, didn't have the, they didn't even have anything about the ACC tournament on TV in the B-dubs. I mean, we were there. It's across the street. And um, well, they probably don't get the ACC network. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. We only recently got it and we live in the ACC you're, footprint. We're probably getting a Yankees preseason game from Tampa. One thing I thought was so funny was, you know, uh, when you go to games live, uh, you, you see this all the time where, They'll have like the it, 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 during timeouts, they'd have these um, giveaways and uh, they kept doing these giveaways for Bojangles um, in New York. And I, I at the time, I remember looking it up on a computer. How, where is the closest Bojangles to here? And oh, it was in Charlotte. It was in it was, no, it was in Maryland. Okay. <laughs> Maryland is kind of south, you know, even yeah. though it was, it was Maryland's, but Maryland, it was like four hours. The, the nearest Bojangles was four hours away. And we're, but every, every, it was like we just packed up Greensboro. And moved it six hours north, or I guess nine hours from Greensboro north to, to New York, and um, but we were they were giving away all. I mean, all the commercials were all the the commercials on the, the 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 big screen in the in the arena were all the same. It was like we were in the South, except we were in Brooklyn. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm I'm ecstatic to learn that the ACC basketball tournament is is indeed coming back to Greensboro. It is well. Uh, we got that to look forward to. The football's quick kickoff. You've got you've got Fredericksburg tomorrow night. Uh, Steven Strasburg and his few words afterwards. Um, you have to make some sense of of his one word answers to things. But that'll be yeah, fun. And I'm looking at the uh, weather forecast. It's not too. It's not too. Uh, it's not too inviting for tomorrow. I'm wondering if they're going to put Strasburg out there in a situation where he's sitting in the dugout for three hours waiting. That's a concern. Yeah, the weather forecast in Virginia in general this week is not great for the next couple of nights. And then you'd have to wonder, uh, he's probably been throwing some simulated games. If he's not pitching Tuesday, it's not like he's going to pitch Wednesday. Right. He might, he, they might push him back a week or so. So we'll hope that you get your chance to go to see Strasburg with the weather. We'll hope the weather holds out for you. Yeah, that's yeah. And hopefully it will. Baseball, that's, that's baseball. We're captive to the weather. 
Well, um, Scott, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Go ahead and wrap up here. Thank you for your time. Thank you to the listeners for joining us as well. And uh, we'll get back here, uh, here pretty soon. But in the meantime, I want everybody to have a great day. And thank you for listening to Street Knowledge.